Welcome to Season 2 of Nepal Now. My name is Marty Logan. Five to six million Nepalis live outside of Nepal today, excluding India and other South Asian countries. Nepal's total population is 28 million. Many emigrants leave for a specific period of time, to either work or study, but others embark for what they hope will be a better life in countries including Australia, the US, and the UK. It's normal that some of those emigres return home at some time in their lives, often with the dream of building a house, retiring, and enjoying their final years among family and friends. But in recent years, it seems that more and more people are returning sooner, some to be with family, but many to set up businesses and help give the economy a kickstart. However, I have never, in my two decades connection with Nepal, heard of someone coming back to this country to enter politics. Until I spoke to Karma Tamang. Karma left Nepal for Germany two decades ago, did her studies, started a successful career in IT, got married and raised a family, and after a frustrating attempt to launch and operate a non-profit organization from abroad, decided that politics was a major barrier blocking Nepal's development. She quit her job and started making plans to move back home, to enter the very rough-and-tumble world of Nepali politics. Today, she'll tell us why, what she's experienced to date, and how the pandemic has affected her plans. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you like or follow Nepal Now in your favorite podcast player to get the next episode delivered automatically. You can also share your thoughts and ideas with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email me at marty at martylogan.net, marty at m-a-r-t-y-l-o-g-a-n.net. And now, here's my conversation with Karma Tamang. Karma Tamang, welcome to Nepal Now Podcast. Thank you. Great to be here with you. So just to let people know, uh, you're in Germany at the moment, so we're doing this remotely. Um, You've lived in Germany for a number of years now, right? Yeah, two decades. I should say also that we are also friends um, through, through, I met you through my wife who went to school with you at some point. Also college. In college, okay. And um, I know that you've been traveling regularly back to Nepal and you're kind of you're anxious to come back again. Do you have any idea when you might make it again? Uh, I hope soon. I mean, we've been waiting for the past five months. Um, we were supposed to be back in Nepal on the 1st of April. And since then, we have booked like three ti- three kinds of tickets. So it's supposed to be actually regular flights. is supposed to be flying from 1st September, but there's no sign. Uh, that's very disappointing, I'm sure. I know you still have family here, so obviously you're concerned about them. In terms of your project, um, is it delaying? Is it delaying that? I mean, do you have kind of a timeline for when you want to reach certain goals for your political work? Um, I mean, it would be great if I was back in Nepal again, so that I I could meet people on the ground and. Um, Actually, I was planning to uh, work in Kavri, my my home village, and to mingle with people and had 
a couple of uh, social projects uh, in the pipeline. But yeah, so I'm still stuck in Germany and also in Nepal, the situation is worsening. So yeah, let's see what happens. We don't know. <laughs> We cannot plan anything. None of us, I guess. Exactly. It's complicated. It's unpredictable, like you said. So best of luck. I hope, uh, I hope to see you here in Nepal sometime soon. Um, listen, if someone, you know, if you just met someone and you're describing this project that you've undertaken to, to return to Nepal, how do you kind of briefly describe what it is that you're doing uh, in Nepal, with Nepal, for Nepal? Um It is. I feel it is kind of responsibility for all Nepali citizens uh, to do something for the country, especially the privileged ones. My family comes from a very poor background. My parents are illiterate, and actually my whole family illiterate. And uh, with this background, we have had had to fight for our uh, social and political rights, and having uh, been grown up in with this background, um, I was fortunate enough to visit a very good school and um, college and through scholarship and um, also help uh, from outside. I had the opportunity to go to Germany and have a very good education. And also now I'm kind of a bit, at least a bit, bit financially independent. So I feel it is my duty to go back and give back to the country. Because if those who are poor, those who are underprivileged, uh, those who do not have education cannot do anything for the country because they are fighting daily to feed themselves. So they don't have those privileges and opportunities to do something for the country, even if they want to. My motivation is that... Um, uh, that I go back and give back in political and um, social fields. Um, and I hope all those uh, listening to me around the world uh, give it a try. It's, it's not that you have to go back for, uh, for good. I mean, nowadays, the, the flight is not that expensive and we're uh, connected, interconnected. And if one can take a break, say for a year or two years or three years, uh, one can have, uh, do a project, go to the village and teach uh, um, or make, have awareness campaign. There is a lot of possibilities to give back to your community and to your country. And I hope that people do that as long as um, they are young. Uh, otherwise, I see that many people um, immigrate and have a good life. And then with 60s and 70s, when they go back to Nepal, there's not much they can do, not because uh, they, weren't, they are not capable or something, but they lose the connection to the country. And there is a huge generation gap. So you do not understand what people are trying to say and people do not understand what you're trying to say. So to minimize this gap, um, it would be awesome if people go back uh, when they are still young enough. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this and that age, but um, at least in the age where you are fit enough uh, or you're independent financially and uh, also in good health because it is a challenge in Nepal uh, to work. There are, lot, there are a lot of uh, hurdles, I would say, yeah. 
Now you, this project of yours to come back and to get involved in politics is one I know you've been thinking about and planning for a long time. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, you got involved with a, a new political party soon after it started. It's called Vivek Shil. And that yes. was uh, 2012, about 2012? Yes, yes. Vivek Shil Nepali. Um, before it was a movement, and then uh, we registered it as a political party in 2014. I've been involved since the beginning. Right. It, yeah, I didn't realize. So you were actually involved in regis registering it. Yeah, I was not uh, on the ground most of the time, but I helped uh, from outside and um, extending the party to, uh, I mean, making units outside Nepal. So we started in Germany and then in other European countries, and we had a very good network oh. um, of Bekshi Nepali. We still have. Okay. And then... In recent years, you've started spending more and more time in Nepal regularly uh, doing work on the ground, right? As you said, visiting villages and that sort of thing. Yes, yes. I've tried to do as much as possible. I left my job in June 2018 and then went to Nepal for four months <clears throat> and then came back for one and a half months. And then, yeah, basically 2019, I went to Nepal for four times, I think. I went back and forth, and I was there most of the time, probably eight months or so from the whole 2019. And yeah, I was planning to stay the whole year, 2020, but it didn't work out so far. So let's see what happens next. Yeah, let's hope 2021 is better. Like you said, you've been in Germany for two decades. You have children there. You have, you know, you have a fully functioning and good life there, good job, good career. Of all of the things that you could, I won't say give that up because you, you, you've explained that you're not, you know, you're, you're between two places or you're in two places, you're in Germany, you're in Nepal going back and forth. But, you know, of all of the um, projects that you could give up some of that German experience for, you're doing politics. And for people who don't know Nepal, politics um it's you know i've been i've known nepal now for about 20 years um it's roundly criticized for being uh ineffective corrupt very much patriarchal dominated by personalities and a few political parties and there are lots of other adjectives i could use so why why did you decide that giving back you know, you could have gone to work for an NGO or yeah. many different places. Why did you choose politics? Um, it has a long story. Um, in 1998 in Germany with a couple of doctors uh, in Kiel, we started a, uh, an NGO, a German NGO called STEMI for Notleidende Kinder. That means Voice for Needy Children. And we started a welfare home in Kathmandu. And we had so many problems. Uh, we could not find a manager. We found one and uh, we sent money for to pay the fees for children and um, he would misuse it. And we would find another manager and he would do the same thing. And these were all the hurdles. And I started realizing that the root of the problem is politics. 
Everything has got to do with polity, especially in Nepal, whether you get electricity or not, whether you get uh, water or not, whether you get uh, a job or not, everything depends on politics. So I realize that that's the root of the problem and that's where we need to work. And I started uh, studying politics in 2012 or so um, with bachelor and currently now um, I'm doing PhD in political science. To do active politics, I thought, okay, I need theoretical background as well. And the last two years, the experience has, uh, experience tells me that I'm sort of right. I mean, everything has got to do with politics. And if we um, motivate people, I mean, we motivate good people to come to politics, that we could make a positive change. So when I compare or when, I, when we compare um, politics in developed countries, especially um, Western countries here in Europe and Nepal, people have uh, a positive relation to politics. They engage with it, they engage with the subject, they work in the community, and they know that democracy is not only about rights, but it's also about responsibilities. And in Nepal, it has been so corrupt that politics is only a way of earning money for politicians and their followers. And this has to change. And for that, good people need to come to politics. That's why I am um, into politics. I hope I can survive. <laughs> the, the last two experience tells me that it is very, very difficult if you... Uh, talk about ethics and principles and morals and uh, people fight you, people try to um, demotivate you and uh, you need a very, very thick skin. But still, what I tell people is um, corrupt people in Nepal, they have a huge and strong network. So they work together and it works. But on the other hand, those who want to do good work, they are scattered. They, tr they try to do something uh, individually or in small groups, and it doesn't work because, they, on the other hand, the other side is very, very strong. So what we need to work on is, like, those who really want to bring positive changes in politics, they need to come together and fight back. So... That's my current strategy. <laughs> I don't know how, how things will work <laughs> until the next election. I mean, it's uh, politics itself is very dynamic all over the world. So we, we need to see how things will change, especially because of um, pandemic now. Right. And so, so obviously at the core of your beliefs is the idea that um, politics does not have to corrupt. So not every person who goes into politics in Nepal will become corrupted. You believe that there are good people and bad people, not so good people, and we just need more of the good and fewer of the bad, and the good can survive, they can do good while being in politics. Because I think a lot of people here would say that that's not true. Everyone in politics is out for, you know, at least to take something for themselves. Not Maybe not everything, but you know, you know, they're going to do well by politics personally, and then they might also do good for their city or their locale. Um, yeah, I mean, when you look um, 
in, in other countries. It's not that corruption does not happen in Germany or somewhere else or in USA or anywhere else. But there, the, the, the ratio is different. Like, first of all, the ratio is small. And even if it happens, there is a rule of law. There is a check, of, check and balance. So if you do something wrong, uh, you have to go to jail or fire. There are um, consequences. In Nepal, there are no consequences. And people have had such a bad example about politics. And that's very sad because we are social beings and we need government. We need a good government. And actually, when you ask what is government, that's you and me, the public. We, we choose the government ourselves. So we have to be aware of our rights and uh, responsibilities. And when I s look at other political existing bigger political parties, there are good people out there in Congress and in, in uh, um, Communist Party and in, even in Samazwadi Party. There are good people who are, who are trying to do something good. But the ratio is the other way around. There are only small uh, small group of people trying to do it, uh, but the huge, the large number of people are uh, doing bad things, doing corruption and, and uh, filling their own pockets. So that has to change. We have to um, make the public aware that actually it is in your hands to change the situation. You need to have the willpower to change the situation and it will change, it shall change if the public come together. Okay, so at the moment you've been working with Vivek Shil now for uh, more than five years. Where where is your focus now? So, are you are you focused more on growing the party as a viable alternative to the existing powerful parties, or as you said, are you focused more on attracting good people or trying to do both at the same time? How are you working to attain your goal? Um, both, actually, both. Um, in in in. Nepal, you have a saying like, I mean, the, the political party is also a mirror of the society. So even within Bibekshul, we have our issues. We have to uh, sort out a couple of things. So I'm fighting within the party as well. And uh, just yesterday, I wrote an article about uh, value-based politics, why it is so important. You can have all the rules and regulations in the world, but if you do not have the common sense, you do not abide by values, you will take wrong decisions. Politicians will take the wrong decisions. So it is so important. So I'm trying to establish that within the party. And outside the party also... Um, uh, I'm trying to motivate people to come to politics, to give it a, a try. And politics not only means like you have to be a candidate or you have to be a member of the political party, but you just have to be aware what it means, what it means to you to have a responsibility uh, to work for the community. And the least one should do is mm, uh, vote for the right person, not for the party, but the, vote for the right candidate. So let's talk a bit more about values. Say, for example, that you're in a meeting with colleagues from Bibek Shil, and you bring this up, you say, you know, we need to have common understanding of these are the values that we accept and use to guide our work and our activities. And they, maybe someone says, well, 
that's great for you. You you could afford to give up your career and you're here on your project, but we have to make a living and this is part of what we're doing and we need to be practical. So values are great up to a point and then you know, you need to be practical, make a living, and politics is an avenue for us to also do that. How do you respond to that? Um, I I try to um, give them the examples of what the current party is doing and why it is wrong. I mean, just the current example of Bamdev Gautam uh, being uh, trying to be a prime minister, uh, not prime minister, minister at least, uh, that's wrong. I mean, all of us agree that it is wrong, uh, even though whatever they are doing is according to the constitution. So that's where values come in. Let me just cut you just for a second, just to explain for people who might not know what this is. Okay. Gautam is a veteran politician from one of the two parties that's in the governing alliance. Yes. Um, and he was not elected, but because he's so close to, I think the prime minister is his most influential backer, that somehow they found a way to give him a seat around the cabinet table. And there's a huge controversy about whether or not this is legal. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, he he lost the election. The public said, uh, Nepali said that uh, he's not our candidate. And still the party nominated him or trying to nominate him that he can uh, go to the parliament. Con when you follow the constitution, um, they are abiding by the rule. But then it was not the idea of that position. It was not the idea of the uh, constitution that, uh, and it even... Uh, in, in another article, it says that those who have uh, lost the election is not allowed to go to the lower parliament. Uh, uh, it is forbidden. But then still they have found a loophole and taking him to the parliament and probably making him minister. And that's where the values comes in. I mean, of course, people say that you have to um, find those loopholes and then change the constitution, etc., etc. But there will always be loopholes. You cannot just make everything tight. I think all of us would agree that this move is wrong. Right. So it's against, as we say in English, it's against the spirit of the constitution. Technically, it's possible, yeah. but it violates the spirit. Yeah. Right. Okay. And just, just curious, I mean, I'm not asking you to tell tales or reveal anything, but your colleagues in Bibekshil, do they mostly agree with you on that? Um, yeah, that's a very good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, um, how do you say that? Theoretically, they agree with me, yeah. But practically, th there is a difference. That would be the diplomatic answer, I guess. <laughs> and And so... Can, you know, look, broadening out this discussion, when you, with the experience you have now of talking to people about about politics in Nepal, when you look around you, are there enough people that you've identified who, when you discuss this example, would agree with your point of view? Are there enough people who share your values that that you're optimistic about this project? Um, yeah, yeah, they do, they do. But the problem is what they think is, uh, there's a saying in Nepal, Nepal maesteo. It's, it's like this in Nepal. So 
they think they are alone or and they cannot fight back. Uh, I think that's that's the issue. So people do agree with me, but they say like, okay, in Nepal it is like this, and you have to accept it. And uh, the corrupt network is so huge, you cannot fight back. So I, I get that those kind of answers, but uh, I'm quite optimistic um, that in the long run um, they will understand. And what I also tell people is it took eight years to pass the constitution and to implement the constitution, it will take at least another 10 years. We have had this government for the last three years and uh, we Nepalese would be lucky if the government remains stable for the next two years. So, And then maybe we can think about the next step. So it is a very, very long process and it is an uphill battle and we shouldn't nobody should accept, um, expect uh, shortcuts or, or uh, that it will happen overnight so i think in terms of like 10 or 15 years to see visible changes i i'm not so hopeful uh, about the next election in two years but maybe after that or the election after that I know you're, you must be very much up to date on the news from Nepal, what's happening here during COVID-19, the pandemic. Politically, again, it's been very tough. The government's been criticized extremely strongly for its actions or lack of actions. In a way, do you think that would make people more open to alternative political views or... Is this going to make them more anti-politics? I, I suppose both. Um, unfortunately, there aren't many good alternatives. That's that's the issue, I think. So if enough people would think that politics is necessary and I have to go into politics, then I hope that that would bring change. But uh, most of them still do not want to go into politics, either do not want to go into politics or they cannot go into politics because uh, they have to make a living and they, they do not have the privilege and luxury to go into politics because politics is expensive. If, if you run, run an election, you will need a lot of money everywhere. That's the case. So not everyone can do that, even they want to. And the other problem that I see is uh, lack of management and lack of skills. Uh, those who are right now in the government, they did a, maybe they did a good job in, uh, during the revolution and they brought uh, democracy in the country. And I, I mean, we are thankful for that. Uh, but on the other hand, a revolution and um, managing the government is two different things. So just because you did the one thing right does not mean you're successful in running the government as well because you need different kind of skills, especially in 21st century. Uh, you have to be kind of technically, I wouldn't say tech savvy, but still you have to know the technology, you have to know science, a uh, lot of things to consider and Maybe that's why the government has failed and that's where we need to uh, motivate people to come into politics and see what the problem is. It's because even if they want an alternative, there aren't much alternatives. That's the problem. 
when you go to villages, all of them are communists or Maobades or Congress. There is no alternative. I mean, we Vivekshil are very, very small. We are limited almost within Kathmandu Valley or maybe with uh, Bagmati Pradesh, Pragmati province. But outside that, we don't have anything. So we need a lot of people to join this movement. I wouldn't urge people to join Bibekshil if they don't like it, but at least they should uh, be politically aware and uh, see what they can do for the community, for their own community. And I'm curious about your PhD. How is that helping this your overall project? Because Nepali politics is not a place where you expect to meet educated people um, who are discussing, you know, nuances of political theory or anything like that. It's a very, very much, if I can use the term, street fighting kind of place where it can get tough and dirty. <laughs> and so how does political education doing a PhD contribute to what you're doing? Uh, I think it keeps me sane. <laughs> so <laughs> well, I have very, my... <laughs> very important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it keeps me, really, yeah, honestly, it keeps me sane and it it's kind of academic challenge, my personal challenge, so that at least in a couple of years I have something in the hand. Um, and it's also the journey um, that I get to um, learn something, even if it's only theory, and I get to meet a lot of uh, great people. And um, th that's, that could be a second career as well. And if I don't get chance to do... Uh, or take part in practical politics, um, education is the next thing which is very important in Nepal, which needs to be overhauled. Yeah. And so I was thinking like after my PhD, maybe I could teach uh, at the university or college or I don't know. And um, because research-based uh, work is, is very rare in Nepal. So you don't have, you don't plan, you don't have prototype, you just go ahead and things doesn't work. So kind of idea is that um, that I teach people to um, to learn, to learn, unlearn and learn and that you challenge yourself. I mean, learning does not necessarily mean degree only. Uh, at the, if, if you pursue it uh, for a couple of years, you might have a degree, but the main point is challenging yourself and uh, trying to learn, to, to read, um, to study. Does that mean that you're not sure if you would be a candidate in the next election? You haven't decided or you'll do both for now? Um, I haven't decided yet because um, I think I mentioned before, I wanted to spend a lot of time in Calgary this year. In February, I was there. I, I took for a couple of days and, and I took a round um, in a Jeep, but actually I'd wanted to spend there a lot of time and to get to know the people and um, do something. But since I haven't been able to do anything, um, I don't think it makes sense to be a candidate just like that. I mean, it's still two years and who knows, maybe the election will also be postponed for a couple of months and if I get a chance to spend time next year and do get to know the people and the people get to know me, uh, then only it makes sense. Otherwise, 
just for the sake of running, I don't know how it would make sense. So that's why I haven't decided yet. That's understandable. Do you still have family there in the village? And uh, how are, yeah, I know you have been there recently. So how do people respond so far to what you're doing? Um, yeah, they're very positive about it, but they also like give me advice. Bibikshil is too small. Come to Congress, come to Samazwadi. <laughs> Uh, uh, and then you have a chance to win and do something but they're very positive that uh, especially because uh, being a female um, kind of uh, I'm a motivation for the younger generation at least in my village and are they all political people in the sense that they they have an affiliation with one party or another Yes, yes, in, in all villages, whether in my villages or uh, during the last um, by-election in November. I was in Pohora, I was in Burtibang, I was in Dang, and you won't find any family which is not of a level uh, affiliated to any political party. This is so. This was so strange for me coming from Canada, where now... Now the challenge in Canada is to get people to, interested in politics, right? And especially the younger generation. It's a huge challenge to have more than, say, 40% of people vote in an election. And here, just everything is, as you were saying earlier, everything has a political angle to it. No matter if you're a student in school or you're going for a driving license or... You, you want to get a permit so you can drive during the lockdown, uh, during COVID-19. Normally, you would just say that it is a kind of government service. Whether you get a driving license or not, it's just a government service. If you pay tax and you get service from the government. But unfortunately, it's not so in Nepal. So let's talk a little bit about this other initiative that you're involved in. There's a website, I know, it's called... Uh, Nepal Farkhaun. Um, can you can you explain that? And is it connected to this other work we've been talking about? Um, how this started? Actually, it it has a sort of political connection, but uh, the movement itself is apolitical. When Bibekshil uh, and Saza united, we had a group. Uh, I mean, we the Bibekshil Saza members. And in 2018, early 2018, uh, uh, I was going back that year to Nepal. So I uh, um, announced that I was going back and I would have four agendas. And those were uh, voting rights for Nepali citizens living outside the country. And the second one was about increasing women participation in politics. The third one was digital revolution. And the fourth one was encouraging Nepalese to return home. And um, Dr. Rajinder Pangini also read it, and he's, he's currently in USA. Uh, he was in Netherlands for a conference, I think, and we made in Cologne. And it was just ad hoc. We made a chat group and the initiative began. So Dr. Rajinder Pangini is doing most of the world, uh, work, and he's also leading the movement. We have Binisha Shreshraji in Nepal as a contact person, and the rest of us assist as far as we can. We have meetings uh, once a month. We try to do it once a month and help each other and build a network. And we have kept this initiative apolitical. 
Uh, and we have decided also not to register it as an organization because if you have an organization, you have you have all those other obligations. So we wanted to keep it as open as possible, as a loose movement, uh, but then still keep a wide network uh, of people from all background and all works and and all walks of life. So everyone can join, with, no matter what kind of background you have. That's how it came up. That's the gist of it. And a lot, a lot of have already returned and doing a good job. So we try to uh, motivate people, follow the path. We are not an organization and we cannot give jobs, uh, provide jobs, what some people expect. But what we do is um, provide a network. Like when you go to Nepal and for, I want to find someone in IT, then I could uh, provide that network or if it is something else uh, about agriculture then there is someone else even just the knowledge that there are a lot of people returning and doing a good job is I think uh, a very good motivation for those who are still undecided whether they should uh, do it or not but we also tell frankly that you have to be very well prepared uh, financially, mentally, and physically, because it is not easy to go back and um, stay there because some others go back and after two or three years, uh, yeah, they leave Nepal again. And um, so to make sure that that doesn't happen or that you don't get too much disappointed, um, we try to be honest and frank and be open about the challenges that awaits you in Nepal. This is very interesting, partly because I'm stopped occasionally and asked about Canada, right? People, Nepalese here, particularly young people who have just graduated, they, they want to go and live in Canada or the U.S. So they're asking for my advice. And one of the things I say is it's just much different. It's, it's not as if you transplant the Nepali way of life and culture into a country that's more systematic and, and um, you know, you, you get a job and you, you live this kind of nine to five existence. Everything is different. So, you know, your relationship with family would be different. The, the, the fact that everything is very systematic, timeliness is so important, punctuality. Um, so you really need to think about it before you go there. And Usually I say that and people don't really pay attention to me because <laughs> they're so much attracted by the other things, right? But it's very interesting to hear you say that you're counseling people going back to Nepal about similar things, right? About reintegrating into into this culture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it cuts both ways, I think. I also tell people, I mean, I also get a lot of questions about going to Germany and why I'll... I'm willing to leave Germany or why I left Germany and why wouldn't I stay in Germany and all this sort of questions. And my answer is similar to yours. I say that wherever you leave, it depends. Uh, what you make of your life depends on you and not the not someone else. So the challenges you have in life is similar everywhere. Maybe in, in Germany or Western countries, you have uh, 24 hours electricity and water and and it is clean. But then it, it's all because the, uh, um, the generation before worked hard for it. 
Um, there are a lot of people who have uh, done great job in Nepal as well. But I agree that because of the uh, access to opportunities um, in Nepal, you have harder, you have difficulties. If you are in a Western country and if you're educated and you are willing to work hard, then you get a job. In Nepal, that's not enough. You need to know someone somewhere. So th that's the challenge, I agree. But the rest of the issues you have everywhere. You have all those uh, positive and negative sides in all societies. Right, yeah, I definitely agree with that. So get, getting back to the this initiative, the Nepal Farco, uh, how, how many people so far are involved? Like, do, you don't have a membership, right? It's just more a loose collective of people. How many so far? I do not know what the current data would have to ask Rajendraji. A um, couple of thousand, I think, already have filled the form. Uh, but core group, we are like 20, 20 or 30 core people where we meet and um, we have a messenger group, uh, share our ideas and uh, motivate each other. Yeah, that, I think that's, that's very important that uh, we motivate uh, each other to keep on moving. Uh, yeah, I'm sure the motivation can be very, because everyone has tough times when they're relocating, right? So talking yeah. to people who have been through it and maybe who have some advice or are just willing to listen to you is, is important. Is it a cross-section of people that you've met through this? You were talking earlier about how traditionally it's older people who want to come, go back to Nepal to retire. They dream of, you know, building their dream house and retiring. But now is it, uh, are you seeing more professional people, younger people, men, women? Is it a bit of everything? Um, yes, uh, actually more younger people are interested. I mean, I wouldn't say in their 20s, but those in 30s and early 40s are willing to go back. At least um, um, they want to give it a try. So I've met a lot of people and who've really also gone back and started something in agriculture or other fields. Right. And of, of those people returning who you've come in contact with, do any have similar um, aspirations as you? Any would-be politicians among them? <laughs> yeah, a lot of lot of us are interested. We think we we believe that we need to uh, go into politics. But uh, last time when we were talking, uh, we do not know which political party or, or when. But we sort of believe that yes, we have to do it. But then we also know that we that would that won't be our last career. I mean, you go into politics for maybe for one uh, five years or ten years, but not longer. Right. Okay. So it's like you were saying before, it's an opportunity to give back to the country, but yes. it doesn't necessarily have to be the rest of your life. Okay. Very good. Um, I think that's a good place to leave it. Karma, thank you very much for taking the time. I wish you all the best. Uh, thank you, Marty. Thank you for having me. And yeah, uh, I take it as my hobby. And uh, maybe when I retire, I'll have a, a book full of uh, <laughs> adventures and memories to share. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. <laughs>